Cool. Hello, and welcome to episode 279 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, I have an interview with Mark Bernal and Ray Garza, creators of Tank McGregor, The Mechanical Manus, and Death Wish, now on Kickstarter. This is Matt. Mark, thanks so much for, for joining us. Um, let's lead off with you. Um, let's do two things. Let's ask for a, a quick bio and then an elevator pitch for this story that you have. Yeah, thanks so much for having us on. Um, yeah, so my name's Mark uh, Bernal. I uh, accidentally started a comic book company a little over a year ago. Uh, just started with me making a series of books. Um, and then um, all of a sudden, um, you know, we started working with more and more creators. Um, and then next thing we knew, we, we had, um, you know, a catalog of about 14 plus books, uh, three more that are currently on a Kickstarter. I write a, uh, uh, a fair chunk of them. Um, and uh, the most recent one that uh, we have on um, Kickstarter is Death Wish. And it's like a cross between Mad Max and Speed Racer, like um, kind of just like a wacky demolition derby type of uh, story um, that uh, uh, was illustrated by a guy by the name of Kieran Quinn, who's just uh, tremendously talented, um, and uh, it's been a blast to work on. And um, yeah, we're going to be making uh, more uh, more Death Wish comics uh, with the same with the same team. Cool. And Ray, Ray, how about you? How about a uh, quick bio about yourself, and then a little bit about the the book you have in this Kickstarter? Uh, yeah, uh, name is Ray Garza. I was uh, born and raised in Mexico, um, right on the border with Texas. Uh, I have a, a, let's say I have a background in film because uh, uh, that's what I, my main passion was film and filmmaking. Uh, and I sort of did that for a while after college and I uh, shot a couple of short films, a feature film, and I worked on a few productions. Um, and at one point it sort of became harder and harder for me to get my projects off the ground, my short films off the ground. So that's when I decided but I still needed an outlet for my uh, stories and my creativity. So um, I felt like the next logical step was to put them all down on paper in the form of sequential art and comics. And I've drawn my whole life. I've always drawn uh, doodles here, art there. You know, I just never really took it too seriously. It's just something I've always done as a hobby. So little by little, I just began making a comic book out of this character I had, Tank McGregor. And before I knew it, I had a whole graphic novel. And then I reached out to uh, several different comic book uh, companies, not companies, uh, comic stores here in Austin, Texas. And uh, online, I just started reaching out to different publishers and different people. And Mark was one of those publishers. And uh, before I knew it, uh, we were working on this thing together. Very cool. And did I hear that correct? There's been about 13 to 14 books in uh, almost uh, the course of a year. Is, is that that correct? Yeah, I mean, and that's just credit to the, the size of the team. Um, you know, our, um, uh, and they, they range, they range from, uh, so it sounds like a lot more. Um, and it also at the same time sounds like a lot less because there's um, three graphic, four graphic novels in the collection two full, two full lengths. And then like an assortment of like these, um, kind of like minis or ash cans zine types that are like somewhere between eight and 16 pages, depending on, on the book. Um, 
and most of that's a, you know just such a credit to you know the the artists that we have you know because um you know i feel like in many regards i just create the platform and then you know these these dudes are these dudes and chicks um we, uh are just um you know really just putting out some phenomenal stuff uh, so i feel super humbled to be a part of it Cool. And this is this Kickstarter is labeled as as batch four. Have have all the uh, Kickstarters in the past been um, you know collections batches of books? Did you start off that way, or did you sort of build your way into you know offering multiple titles um, in, in a Kickstarter? Yeah. Um, so uh, batch one wasn't actually done on a Kickstarter. Um, that was just like a release before I knew like that you had to like tell people about your books. I just thought like, you know, people would just discover it on their own. Um, so batch two was the first Kickstarter. Um, and, you know, we kind of specially, we operate like an incubator. So what Let's Know Comics is supposed to be is like a place where uh, a lot of first time creators um, can, can come or people who have a project that um, they don't think it, you know, would either, um, you know, fit well in a different publisher, or maybe they're just, um, uh, just want to have more creative control over it. Um, so we batch the books together and, uh, it gives us a louder, like megaphone, you know, mm -hmm. to, um, you know, to kind of promote each other's work. Uh, and then one of the nice parts about that too, is the, um, you know, the potential for working with such a team like that, you know, we get, you know, variant covers and all sorts of, you know, uh, cool things where each illustrator will do, you know, fan art of each other's stuff. It's, um, it's worked out really well. And Ray, have you done any work with, with lesser known comics before this Kickstarter? No, not prior to this. Uh, I only heard of them as I was promoting my own book. Um, it happened to be sort of like the thing where I was just looking at a lot, a lot of comic book stuff and looking at a lot of publishers and their uh, their account came up on my Instagram feed and they had a, a post that said something like treating artists like humans since 2020. And I thought <laughs> that was really cool. So I reached out to them just based on that alone. I mean, I, I thought it was a really cool idea and I liked what they were about. And I reached out thinking, hey, what can I do to get my book in your hands? And initially no one answered me. But then after like two weeks, I tried again. And this time I reached directly to Mark and that's when he answered me. And uh, I was able to uh, get a hold of him and just kind of talk to him about it. And we sort of hit it off after that. But no, I had never uh, heard of them or worked with them before. And, and I'm, looking at the, I'm looking at the Kickstarter page right now. Um, Ray, are you handling uh, everything yourself? You know, story, story and art here? In Tank McGregor and the Mechanical Menace, I did the writing and the illustrating. Yes, I outsourced the coloring to another artist, uh, Michael okay. Woods. But uh, yeah, the writing and the drawing was all me. Um, and uh, yeah, the lettering, everything except, pretty much everything except the colors was me. Cool. And um, I know that you said that, you know, your initial sort of love and, and, and of create creating stuff was, was in film. Do you have like a, a background in, or any schooling in art or do, are you, are you self-taught? Uh, when it comes to illustrating, I am self-taught. I don't like saying that because it makes me feel sound pretentious. I feel it's not, but like, it's just my, my own, like, Oh, self-taught. Oh, but um, no, I am self-taught uh, when it comes to illustrating, when it comes to uh, film and filmmaking, I did study filmmaking at uh, UT in Austin 
at their film school there. And uh, I did have a, I mean, like I said, that was my jam for the longest time. I did a lot of short films and I worked on a lot of productions. Um, fun fact, I don't even know if you guys follow this, um, the Amber Heard to Johnny Depp trial, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I worked with Amber Heard before she was Amber Heard. Like I met her and everything and I did not like her then either. So, oh, wow. <laughs> and are you a, are you a digital artist um, or a combination of the two? Uh, I'm a combination of the two in the sense that I do draw. I have mountains of sketchbooks and I draw on paper whenever I can, wherever I can. You should see my office at work. It's like just nonstop waves and waves of pages full of doodles that I won't throw away because I'm like, oh, that came out kind of cool. I'm going to save that. And I just leave it there forever. But when I actually do something like the comic book or something a little more official, I do it digitally. Nice. And just one more question for, for Ray, and then we're going we're gonna to switch back over to Mark. Um, with, with screenwriting, you know, I've had a lot of people who have come from film and then, then they have transitioned to comics. You know, they realize that, you know, maybe there's less budgetary concerns. There's, there's more control that you can have there. Um, I think one of the interesting things is, and correct me if I, if I don't have this right, but I think when you write a screenplay, it's generally thought of like that's one minute of screen time on, on the television or on the movie screen, but pacing in comics can be done, you know, differently. You know, you have the page turn, you can, you can drop out the background uh, to sort of slow down the reader or, you know, make smaller panels to make the reader read it faster. So was, was that something that you, you found interesting? Uh, yeah, it is wildly different. And I didn't find it interesting as much as I found it frustrating because not in a bad way, only because, yeah, I did only ever write scripts in the movie format. And you're right, it is roughly a page on a movie script is about a minute on on screen. And now it also kind of depends on like who's writing it and the, the way they work. But generally the uh, consensus is that that's what the formula is. When it comes to comics, it was very weird. On one page, you can basically have four pages because you have to describe page one, panel one, panel two, panel three. And it's just so weird. It was so weird to me because whereas before I knew exactly what I was getting on screen and like how I was pacing my stuff and how I was timing out my scenes, on comics, it was completely new and completely alien to me. And it didn't matter what I wrote. I didn't know how much real estate I was occupying. Mm -hmm. No matter how much I studied it as well, it felt very, very like I was working in the dark. And it was actually slowing me down for my process uh, in terms of storytelling. So I dabbled in it a little bit, but eventually I do still just write, like if they were movie scripts, uh, whenever I write my comic scripts, I initially, and in fact, it's not, not even because I, I really only write like dialogue. I just like write out my scenes and it's just like two pages of nonstop dialogue and then I'll read it. And then whatever I'm imagining as I'm reading it, that's where I'm sort of doing the, the panels in my head. And then I kind of do it little by little and see how it turns out. And it's sort of like working from the center and fleshing it out, you know, expanding on all sides. And that's also the reason why I do digital, digital because I don't have to commit to something so early on. I can kind of draw it and replace it and move things around. And it affords me that freedom that I need when I'm creating. I wish I could like see something from the very beginning and like, this is the way the page looks in my head and that's the way it comes out. No, like a lot of times I, I know the scenes and I kind of know things that want to happen, but I don't know what it's going to look like until I'm halfway through it. 
So I lied. I have I have one more question to ask based on based on the response that you gave there. So it seems like you're you're working things out. Um, you know, you said that you you've written down the dialogue, but then like when you sit down to like maybe thumbnail sketch things out, that's where you're you're figuring things out. Um, you know, somebody like myself who mainly works as as a writer who would work you know full script, I would put like you know page one, panel one, I'm seeing this as a, an overhead shot, but if you see something differently, let's, let's, let's go with that. Do you ever sort of at a certain point, like think that maybe you have like the camera angle that you want and, you, and you'll write it down or are you figuring that out, you know, when you, when yeah, you sit no, down? Yeah, I'm figuring that out based mostly on like, is the page interesting to me? Have I done enough variety in my shots? Um, <laughs> have I established the setting enough times or enough to where I know that my audience knows that we're now like in a different part of the room or in a different room. I, uh, I, I mainly base myself off. Is it interesting? Is it like aesthetically pleasing to the eye, you know, because it's very easy when I just have dialogue, it is very easy to just fall into one shot, two shot, one shot, two shot. And suddenly I have just six squares mm -hmm. on every page with two close-ups. And to be honest, like I've seen comics that do that and I beat myself up over it a lot. Like, Oh, I can't have that. That looks so boring. But I've seen comics that just do that and they just have like four panels per page and they're all like two characters just talking to each other. And the difference between the panels is very minimal. And I just think like, oh, how did this person get away with this? Like, this looks fine. But when I do it, it looks lazy and boring, you know? So when I'm doing it, I try to mix it up and um, then have my overhead shots, my low shots, my wide shots, and then just something completely that just sticks out of the panel and just jumps out of the panel and like, invades the rest of the page for for reasons you know i just try to make it fun to read and pleasing to read and not a boring look like it'll be fun whether you read it or whether you just look at the pictures so um you know early on mark you had mentioned that you sort of write a lot of stuff that's that's in the world of, of lesser known comics are you sort of overseeing um various projects at, at different states um you know i don't know if necessarily um, anybody's story that they're writing, um, you know, fits in a little bit or fits in a lot to, to your world? So or, is, or do you sort of have to, to check in with, with people here and there? Yeah, so um, when I, um, so, you know, I, it varies a lot, you know, like Ray is, is, is one of the unique cases where um, I, you know, not only has he come with the you know, great art, his writing is, is, is amazing. Um, one of the few, you know, few books where like, you know, my, I was like laughing out loud, you know, my wife's like, be quiet, I'm you know, trying to sleep, <laughs> you know, uh, and, um, and yeah, he, he's got, he's got a tremendous sense of pace. Um, so I'm, as a writer, I'm learning a lot, you know, from it. Um, and then, you know, others we have, um, you know, um, it, it ends up being very voluntary. They're checking in with me a lot being like, Hey, you know, let me show you this thumbnail, you know, the, this set of thumbnails and, and tell me what, what you think, but it can also be collaborative in the fact that, um, because we have the benefit of having such a, like a large team, um, uh, we can socialize pages and stuff like that throughout the group. Um, so it, it's, it's a lot of collective feedback. I, you know, I, I guess I take more of a role of like air traffic controller, you know, than like any sort of, um, you know, real like, you know, micromanage.
you know, the same airstrip. Um, and then, you know, when it comes to the writing, I, I lean heavily on the Marvel method, you know, because, you know, at any given time, like right now, I have six books that are in like pre-production that are like getting ready to like go to print. So we're like doing the letters and the final edits on them. Um, and then there's at least four more that are um, like, you know, in, in production, like the pages, you know, are, are being penciled or inked. Um, so I've tended to gravitate towards artists that I can say, um, um, I'm glad you brought up, you know, like a turn page reveal and stuff like that, because that's, that's where I really focus on where I'm like, you know, here's how this page is going to start. Here's how this page is going to end and then try and allow as much creativity, you know, much freedom for the illustrator, you know, um, in the, you know, in the middle of that. And, you know, the benefit of continually working with, you know, some of these illustrators is that um, you get a sense after a while, like, you know, what kind of scenes will play to their strengths and what kind of scenes, you know, that you guys are already, you know, that, that you might already be like on the same wavelength as, right? So if I told, you know, Charlie, you know, uh, you know, she's one of the uh, illustrators I work with, like, I kind of already know if I tell her what the first panel of that page is or first panel of that scene is going to be and what the last one's going to be like, I, I, I could almost predict, you know, like what, um, you know, she's going to put in between there. Mm -hmm. um, but in some cases, you know, I'll even give um, pages of free space. Um, and one of the instances of that is Franco, um, we were working on a scene. I said, hey, the henchmen are going to enter the room you know, at the beginning of, you know, page five or whatever, and they're all going to get killed off. However many pages you want to, like, get them killed off, you know, it could be three pages, it could be six pages, it's, like, up to you. And he went total bananas on it and made this, like, gory, horrific scene that, like, I never saw coming, <laughs> you know, and then I got to experience it in the way of, like, a reader, right, where I just, like, turn the pages, like, dear God, Franco, like, <laughs> these poor... <laughs> poor henchmen but you know um but a lot of that's yeah just out of necessity you know just um uh, unfortunately the business end of publishing comics just takes up so much of my time and it's like you know um uh so you know leaning heavy on these illustrators you know to um you know to make some of those decisions um and once again they're creative i mean they're visual storytellers so i also try and say like I don't need to tell you what an explosion is going to look like. You know, you, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of where you come in. You know, um, I focus more on, on dialogue and stuff like that. Nice. And I would think one thing that's, that's very beneficial about you guys being together and having that group to, to share pages has got to be sort of inspirational that like, while you're working on, on your one thing, you know, you might see a page come in from this other story and it's sort of like, I'm not sort of just creating in a vacuum, you know, I got, other people that are, are doing stuff and, you know, seeing that page, you know, makes me, uh, you know, want to get back to the drawing board or get back to the, you know, to the word processor and, and start typing again. Oh, I'm constantly oh, yeah. looking at everybody else's pages and feeling completely jealous and inadequate and makes <laughs> me want to like, uh, not like one up them, but kind of. <laughs> cool. So yeah, it's, it's, it's nice that we don't, yeah, we don't have, um, um, like we don't have like anybody on the team that like everyone would say like 
that's the best person, right? Like it's, it's, it's really rewarding for me to see like everyone kind of like, um, if you gave them a poll of like who the best, you know, the team are or whatever, you'd probably get like a pretty like evenly split, you know, uh, set of answers, um, which is, I think definitely helps creativity, especially the type of um, stories they're doing. Mm-hmm. I was never interested in writing anything science fiction until I started reading, you know, Ray's stuff. And then uh, I actually sent him via text message, like this super long text message for some absurd sci-fi <laughs> kind of adventure the other day. Awesome. So I guess maybe um, we're going to hit on story before we we go back out, but let's, let's talk a little bit about Kickstarter. Um, you know, I'm assuming that we have the, the various staples of a Kickstarter, you know, digital um, comics, you know, print comics. Is there, is, is there a catch-up tier for anybody who wasn't a, on board at like, you know, batch one to like get everything from, from the, from, from you guys? Yeah, we did it in two ways. Um, so uh, we have them as add-ons, like uh, we have the complete collection, like available as like an add-on. So you can pick whatever two you want. And then if you want to just add, you know, here's he, there's he, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, some of the books that, that you had your eye on or missed out on a Kickstarter previous, uh, that's available. And then we have a complete collection um, tier. Um, and then we have, um, I think, one, yeah, we have one that collects all the graphic novels. So, hey, I'm just really into big, hefty, heavy books. You know, um, they can pick up all, you know, three of the graphic novels. Um, and um, yeah, because, you know, uh, I, I back a lot of Kickstarters and, and you know, I'm always just trying to base, you know, what I see other people doing. It seems like that catch-up tier has really been like, um, you know, really uh, a good pillar for, for a lot of uh, folks who are doing, you know, um, a, you know, making a ton of comics because you, you dip your toe in one Kickstarter, right? And you're like, okay, I really like this. And then later you can say, okay, now, now I'm going to, you know, dive into the entire collection because I seem to just love everything this creator's making. So if people feel that way about us, yeah, we wanted to give them that opportunity too. Very cool. And another thing I'm seeing um, as I look at the Kickstarter, um, it looks like you have a pretty set uh, timeline here. Um, You know, you have a couple of dates set as like, um, you know, when your print run, you're going to do that. um, And when your shipping begins. So that must mean that a lot of your books are either complete or at a stage where they're, you know, nearly complete to sort of, you know, publish this this timeline for, for people to see. Yeah, uh, we have, yeah, we have physical proofs of everything. Um, we work with Comics Wellspring, who has um, just been fantastic. And um, so we have the physical proofs in hand and that's, um, that's kind of the way we're, we're, we're going, you know, into the future. We've been down the road where we thought like a book was done. And then mm-hmm. when you get into the logistics of like getting it over the, you know, from the one yard line over the goal line, like it's, it, you're like, oh man, this is a lot harder, <laughs> you know, like, um, you know, the inevitable edits that, that like never seem to, you know, like take as, as short as you'd think. So, um, yeah, the rule going forward, um, like we did in this one is, uh, that we'll have physical prints in our hand before it goes to Kickstarter. Okay. And, and to have a printer that you, you know, and, and you trust, and I'm assuming since, you know, you, you're working with them and you continue to work with them, they, they probably have like pretty great, uh, customer service as well. 
Um, you know, I've, I've worked with printers where it's basically, hey, your files are wrong, fix them. And I'm like, I, I don't know what's wrong with my files. And then I've worked with, with printers that are like, hey, your file is wrong. Would you like us to go ahead and, and fix this thing for you? And I'm like, sure, let's, let's, let's go ahead and do that. So like, it's great to have somebody on, like you said, that last you know, bit of the the creation, you know, and, and, you know, getting the books printed. I think everybody's really excited to, to make comics, but that, that, that sort of last step can sometimes trip you up. Totally. And Comics Wellspring, I, I mean, um, you know, not only have they done like a lot for like the indie comic scene in terms of, um, you know, the big thing that they do is they have those um, uh, print runs as small as like 25 issues, right? So for people who, you know, just really want to get their book printed, you know, um, and don't want to pay a million dollars for it. Um, they, they do a lot of stuff on social media to highlight the books, you know, that they have, um, or that they've printed and come across. So, um, uh, so I even see like my friend's books get spotlighted on their Instagram page or something like that. So I feel like that's really cool. And then, uh, it's one of two people that always answer the phone when I call, which is also nice. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, um, you know, a small family owned company that's here in the United States, um, you know, it's, it's that, that's also, you know, important to us because, um, you know, um, you know, people may print overseas or whatever for, for a certain number of reasons and stuff like that. I don't want to, I don't want to, um, you know, fault them for that. Um, but, um, you know, the idea that I know that, you know, it's a family owned company that they're, you know, sustainably sourcing their, their, their paper that, you know, they're, um, you know, they, that their employers are treated well and things like that, you know, so those are, you know, those are always good things to, you know, to check the block on, um, you know, and I think, uh, uh, the, you know, the quality of the company also is shown in, in the quality of the, you know, the book, because uh, they also don't want to do the artists a disservice and print amazing art on crappy paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you there. And I think one of the things that um, at least personally, I found I've never gone the the, you know, international shipping route, but it seems like, um, you know, with supply chain concerns that, you know, are in all industries, you know, having a domestic printer is probably a bit of a, uh, you know, you sit back and sort of, you know, breathe a sigh of relief, knowing that that's one less variable on, on your timeline. Absolutely. Cool. So like I said, we're going to touch on the stories one more time as we finish up. But, you know, a lot of times when I have people on that are in a Kickstarter, I like to ask them what type of like Kickstarter runner they are. Um, you know, here we are with this Kickstarter. We got 10 days to go. Um, you guys have reached your funding goal. But before that, was there was there, was there moments of, of panic or you refreshing the Kickstarter every every 30 page or every 30 seconds or the, you know, you know, being at this for a while, you kind of know the ups and downs. You're going to have a rush at the beginning. You're going to have a dead zone. Then you're going to have people come in at the end. Um, but again, like what type of Kickstarter runner are you? Are you refreshing the page all, all the time to, to check in? I'm constantly nervous about everything. Um, <laughs> and I'm always like uh, 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 messaging Mark, like, hey, man, so is this normal? How did the last podcast, I mean, uh, Kickstarter go? Uh, what, what are the numbers? You know, like, I'm bothering him for all these numbers and he's probably like, yeah, hey, okay, okay. Um, but yeah, especially because before I uh, participated in this Kickstarter, I had my own Kickstarter for Tank McGregor uh, almost a year ago now. And that was a, a failed one. It, it didn't fund. So I'm very paranoid and panicky about like what I could have done wrong and what I could do better. And 
I'm just trying to help it get along. But yeah, I'm definitely clicking, especially when it first started, I was clicking refresh every 30 seconds, seeing uh, how many more backers we had. Yeah, I think with, um, you know, the last one um, with, because uh, you see what everyone posts, right? And and um, I actually had a good buddy of mine I talked to on the phone today. Um, and he said, uh, comparison is the, uh, um, the spoiler of joy or something mm -hmm. like that, uh, you know? Uh, and it, it, it certainly Kickstarter can do that to you, right? When you see people, you know, and they put up these crazy numbers, you know, $10,000 goal and it was funded in, in an hour, right? And you're just like, um, you know, so, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about what, what metrics we want to pay attention to. Um, and what that really boils down to is uh, returning backers and new backers. Like as long as those two numbers are going in the right direction, um, you know, the, the, the dollar figure is going to change based on, you know, different things, you know, it could be, um, you know, internal factors having to do with like, you know, the, the cost of the book or, you know, the number of tiers we have and things like that may, may uh, change the dollar figure or things like the fact that gas prices are through the roof right now. So, you know, maybe, you know, that's um, depressing, you know, people's discretionary spending and stuff like that. Um, and I, I was, I was down the road of uh, on the last Kickstarter that we did where, um, you know, I just wore myself out, you know, uh, like 10, you know, 10 days into the thing. Like I was just, you know, um, just completely, completely exhausted. Uh, so I think we went into this one a little bit more like, you know, Hey, you know, slow and steady, you know, wins the race, hopefully. Um, and it, it's, it's panned out well, um, you know, the, the, all the metrics are going in the right direction, um, and trying not to get too fixated on, um, you know, you know, final dollar amounts. Um, you know, we also talked about the fact that, uh, you know, I've been in positions in the past where, um, you know, didn't stop to enjoy, you know, where I was in the current stage of a project, you know, cause I was always focusing on, you know, where we could be or where we should be. Um, and then you look back and you've, you've cheated yourself of an experience that'd be like, you know, Hey, you know, this was really fun for where it was, you know, at, at this moment in our lives. So, um, you know, we're, we're a little bit of a startup company meets like hippie commune. So we do end up tend to, we do tend to talk about our feelings a lot. So, uh. and we don't shower. <laughs> uh, so are there any, um, are there any stretch goals announced or anything, uh, anything achieved, anything sort of close to, to, to being, uh, being hit here? Oh, you know, for the most part, we haven't done, um, uh, we, with stretch goals, um, to do them correctly, at least in my opinion, has been like, you got to chart those out. You should at least chart those out like ahead of time. Um, but because we're doing, um, you know, so many projects and so many, like, cause our next Kickstarter will, will start, you know, within, um, you know, four weeks or three weeks after this one closes, um, on a whole different set of books, um, there was, it's all about decreasing like variables. So I think mm -hmm. we ended up putting essentially what would have been nine like stretch goals, but when we just decided, well, we're gonna print them and prepare for them regardless. So we've been doing these like um, 
power-up pack reveals um, throughout the campaign. I think we've only revealed like the first three. So over the next uh, 10 days, we'll, we'll probably be releasing one every other day. Uh, so there's um, there's a Death Wish art print. There's, you know, you know things like bookmarks and trading cards, postcards and things like that. Um, so um, not to dis dissuade anybody from backing the campaign or <laughs> whatever, but they're going to get that anyway if they back the campaign. Um, you know, those, uh, what we'd had, you know, initially built in for stretch goals. Cool. Yeah, I think you brought up a really good point about uh, the the calculations for stretch goals are, are a little tricky. I think, you know, we all sit down with our spreadsheet and we figure out, you know, X dollars here, Y dollars here, Z dollars here. We sum that all up and we, and then we have a number. But you don't realize that, you know, as those numbers increase, the, you know, the Kickstarter fee that they're going to take is, 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 is now more, you know, you maybe if you just had set it at your, your funding goal and, and you're accounting for that, you know, that, that, that fee is going to be different now. Now you're going to have more, you might have more postage that you didn't really, you know, think about. So that I think you brought up a really, you know, a really good point about, about Kickstarter and stretch goals. Like you get really excited, but the, you know, the same amount of sort of, preparation should probably go into that as, as when you did that initial budget, right? Yeah, we've been, we've been down that road where we realized that our stretch goals or uh, additional tiers and add-ons that we thought were going to be, um, I'll use, you know, uh, two of our past Kickstarters, you know, as, as example, I, I was finding that 90% of our problems were um, attributed to 10% of our rewards Okay. And, you know, it wasn't commensurate to the um, amount of um, like revenue they were generating, right? Like, if, <laughs> you know, causing 90% of our problems, but it wasn't 90% of our revenue, you know, being generated from there. Um, and it slows down the production of, you know, future books, right? When you sure. create a bunch of problems. So, um, you know, um, especially at this stage, you know, we're just like, it's okay. You can leave it. Uh, sorry. <laughs> the, um, uh, you know, things have a tendency to get crazy, complicated, fast, even on the simplest things. So mm -hmm. we try to, you know, do whatever we can to oversimplify it from the get go. Nice. So let's uh, let's do let's let's do the outro here. Let's let's talk a little bit more. Um, you know, I want you guys to talk about the the two books that you're involved, but uh, you know, also talk about the the other books that are part of the uh, part of the batch. Uh, Ray, do you do you want to lead us off about about your story and your book? Yeah, you know, Tank McGregor is a story takes place in outer space. You know, a science fiction. Um, it's about an intergalactic bounty hunter who's sort of down on his luck. You know, he doesn't have a lot of jobs and the jobs he does get, you know, they, all the money goes to basically paying all the bills that he incurred during that same job, you know, like paying all the, all the damages he made and all, all the wrongfully people, the people he wrongfully arrested, you know, like all these lawsuits. So he really doesn't have a lot to go on. Um, one day he gets a, an assignment to hunt down a escaped pleasure bot who has recently gained sentience <laughs> so she thinks she's she's human and she goes on a murderous killing rampage um because she woke up and suddenly she's a sex bot you know um so yeah so he's got to go hunt it down but you know i ask with many stories not everything is as it seems 
and more people go along. And it's an awesome book. I mean, it's full of action, comedy. If you're a fan of like the action movies of the late 80s, early 90s, um, it's very much based, not based on those, but very much inspired by those, you know, like the Jean-Claude Van Damme, the Schwarzeneggers, those were all like big tough guys with like one-liners and Tank McGregor is just the same. You know, he's a big tough guy. He's an 80s action star. He has a lot of non sequiturs and nonsensical one-liners, but you know, deep down inside, he's like a regular person and he's troubled and he's maybe not as confident as he like exudes uh, to everybody else. Awesome. And Mark, why don't you tell us about uh, your book and uh, is and the, the other books that are part of this batch? Uh, yeah, so, um, you know, Death Wish is the latest of, you know, these um, mini comics that we're doing um, that tie into the greater lesser known universe. Um, so uh, lesser known universe stuff, you know, for lesser known comics is uh, pretty much geared around like one character of ours. Um, and her name's Danny. She was, um, she's kind of like our Wolverine. She's lived, you know, all these different lives over the last, you know, 150 plus years. Um, and uh, she's uh, dabbled in witchcraft. And like, you know, um, at least I, speaking for myself, but if I was ever, you know, able to have magic powers and do things, you know, I probably wouldn't think through the consequences of my actions. And I would probably find myself in strange places. And, um, and you know, every decade or so, those piss poor decisions would like catch up with me. Uh, so, you know, Death Wish, you know, finds that character in this demolition derby race car type of circuit. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, um, uh, that circuit is kind of like a collection of misfit toys, right? If you, you gotta have a lot of things going wrong in your life to find yourself racing on that circuit. So um, as we reveal a little bit about her backstory, you also get to find out about all these crazy racers that are out there on there, um, you know, and they come to, um, uh, you know, just, discover you know why each other you know essentially have a death wish um but yeah those tie into um uh, these characters will spill over into other um uh you know lesser known comics titles as well you know um and some of that's planned and some of them also come from when uh you know kieran draws something and i'm like oh who's this person this little extra this random extra you put in the background and we're like gotta find out more about that guy you know and uh and then um yeah one of the creators on that is also um, uh, on one of our other lesser known comics titles is uh, Franco Luna. Uh, so he made Good Night. He said, I wanted to make something, you know, uh, weird and, and completely in black and white and, and terrifying. And he didn't let us down. Um, it's, it's become like the final page of that book is, is kind of been like a meme that gets shared around, you know, the office to, to be like, <laughs> Uh, anytime you want to do something creepy, uh, because, you know, some of our folks, you know, um, creator of Digital Legends of Doom, you know, he was, he was joking that, you know, he's like, you know, you know, thanks a lot, Franco, like now, like I have to go buy a nightlight, you know, or whatever, because I can't sleep in the dark after reading your book. Uh, so those are, you know, those, uh, it, I'm really excited about this collection, because, um, you know, there are, brand new stuff you're always excited about your brand new stuff but i think it's three distinct genres that i think you know turned out really well 
Very cool. So let's talk about the best places to, to find you guys online. I know that there's a, uh, there's a webpage for lesser known that takes us to the Kickstarter pretty easily. And I think most of your other social media. So would that be your, your first choice for people to, to go to? Yeah, lesserknowncomics.com um, is a great place, um, not just to, you know, find your way immediately to the Kickstarter. That's um, got, um, it's got an about us section that's got, um, you know, bios and pictures of everybody on the team. Um, it's not completely updated because it, we grow so fast. It's also got, you know, things like that uh, on there. And then other than that, uh, Instagram at lesser known comics is probably the, the best place to like keep updated on stuff as well as, uh, you know, Twitter's probably the second most, you know, uh, cared for platform that we use. So that's just a lesser K comics. It's the best we could do, uh, <laughs> in getting the, <laughs> getting the right handle. Um, but yeah, uh, and you know, I always tell people, you know, like, don't be a stranger, reach out. I talk to um, I even talked to a publisher this morning, I, I, another creator who just launched a Kickstarter and, you know, just asking, you know, hey, I'm, I'm one week behind where you guys are. What should I be doing in the next week? You know, and we don't always have the right answers. Um, but if we don't, you know, um, we definitely, you know, try and find somebody in the scene who does. Um, and, you know, I think that you got to be about, if you're going to make indie comics, you got to be about supporting indie comics. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, anything we learn, we certainly want to pay it forward. Cool. And are there any sort of personal, um, you know, IGs or anything that anybody want to give out uh, besides the lesser known stuff? Yeah, uh, you can find uh, all stuff Tank McGregor at, on Instagram at uh, Tank McGregor Comic. That's uh, McGregor with two Gs. That's where I mostly post most of my stuff. Cool. So we're going to put a link to the, to the website um, in the show notes, because like we said, that's you know going to take you to the Kickstarter, the other things you get to see the team. And we'll also put a link to, to that IG in the show notes so people to check it out. Cause you know, I'm looking at some of these images on, uh, on the Kickstarter. I'm sure there's lots of, lots of tank, good tank McGregor art for, for people to take in there. Awesome guys. Awesome. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for being on. Um, this was, this was a lot of fun um, chatting about comics and I'd like to encourage everybody um, in these last 10 days to go check out this Kickstarter. Uh, for anybody listening, if you could give us a rating and review on the podcasting service you use, we really appreciate it. If you want to follow the podcast, we're on social media. Twitter is at ConstructCompod. Instagram is ConstructingComicsPod. And Facebook is ConstructingComics. Just once again, thanks for listening. Please be safe, be nice to each other, and go out there and make some comics. Thank you. <laughs>